Hello and welcome to Hosanna. I'm Pastor Jen Alexander and please hear me say, we believe the Lord led you here to help you grow in faith and look a little more like Jesus. After today's message, we encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Good morning, church. So good to be with you at all of our campuses or join us live or later online. Uh, glad you're with us. We're gonna be kicking off a series on leadership and there's another kickoff happening later today, too. I know there's a lot of purple and green out there. I wore pink. It was the safest option for me. I want to keep our congregation united, all right? Uh, but we're going to be talking about leadership, and, um, and we have a real leader with us today, someone who exemplifies what we're going to be talking about in this series. Uh, earlier this year, when the war broke out in Ukraine, we had an opportunity uh, to partner with a ministry called Sun Spiritual Orphan Network and specifically Scott and Lena Yount. And they happen to be with us this weekend. So would you give a, a warm welcome to Scott Yount as he comes on up. <laughs> Scott, thanks for being here. We have a picture of your uh, wife. Uh, you and your wife, Scott and Lena, have been serving in Ukraine. I think that's a picture of your neighborhood in Ukraine too. So welcome, we are so honored, privileged to have you with us. Can you just tell us a little bit more about Sun and what you're doing specifically? Yeah, thank you. Uh, Spiritual Orphans Network is about connecting people that don't have a relationship with God to their Heavenly Father. And really, as Sun Networks in Ukraine, our heart is to bring the joy of the gospel to orphans and children with special needs. Uh, before the war, that happened through our church, through camps, through special events, but since the war broke out, it's really just been about getting those families we love and care for to safety. Um, I always, I think all of us understood and know that, that war is evil, but I just never imagined just how terrible it is for people with special needs. In Ukraine, when those air raid sirens would happen, when the bombings would happen, uh, the policy would be to just shut down the elevators in all the apartment buildings. And so there were just families we loved and cared for that were having to carry their children down eight flights of stairs to try to get them to a basement somewhere safe. And I just want to thank Hosanna from the bottom of my heart that your support has helped us to get so many of those families safely to Slovakia, to Poland, to Germany, to the U.S., and just make that difference in their life. And now we really just feel that call to, to go back to Ukraine and be able to, to help those who couldn't leave. Yeah. I know there are lots of stories you could tell us, but can you just tell us one, one story? Uh, it's so inspiring what God is doing through you, but one story, highlight of how God is using Sun and your ministry in Ukraine. So sure, there's, you know, just connecting one family uh, to, you know, the church and the people of God. There was... A woman, her name was Varvara. She lived maybe 20 miles south of the Russian border. And when the war happened, she was forced to live over a month in an unfinished basement with her 11-year-old son, her 5-year-old son with autism, with dozens of strangers and just a month of constant rockets and artillery fire. And she just had to watch as she could see her son regress and just all that stress that it was putting on him. And she would go out when the artillery would stop to, to try to find water and food. And 
She went to the local Orthodox church and told her, no, we can't help you. You're not one of our members. And she was just so desperate when she heard that these humanitarian corridors would be opened up. She just took that leap of faith and went with her children. And I see how God worked to bring her to Bilat Sirkva, our hometown, where the Christian church just opened the doors and welcomed her in. And they called us and, and contacted us in Slovakia and drove her to the border. We picked her up. Um, and she just got to see this love and care from the church uh, in Ukraine, from the church in Slovakia that housed her and fed her, put her child in school for children with special needs, who got her a job. We were just so blessed to get to know them and uh, just drive him to kindergarten every day and, and to pick him up. And really, I am just so inspired by moms like her and so many of the moms who have come to us in Slovakia and just the courage they've shown in the midst of all uh, that they've been through. Amazing, amazing, yeah. Well, we are so inspired and honored to uh, be a part of what God is doing through your ministry, and so we'd love to pray for you right now. Would you extend a hand if you're comfortable for Scott and Lena and son? God, we thank you uh, for uh, these two, this couple that you have called uh, to serve you, to bring your hope and your heartbeat to a part of the world that is t desperately in need of it right now. We thank you for their courage, their tenderness, uh, their faithfulness, and the fruitfulness that is coming. We pray protection over them, provision for them, Lord, and that you would continue to shine your light through them, a light that the darkness cannot extinguish because it's you, Lord Jesus. Bless them, bless them and keep them and the Sun Network. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's thank Scott again and bless him and affirm him. Thank you. Well, Hosanna, um, that's just one example of your generosity, your faithful giving, and the real impact that it makes in people's lives. And so thank you, bless you for your faithful, generous giving. Keep going. Uh, we, we had a very generous uh, giving year as a congregation, um, exceeded the year before, and up there with the, the, the most generosity, the most faithful giving that we've experienced ever as a church. So thank you for that. Keep going, because there are people who are waiting to know uh, the hope and heartbeat of Jesus, and that's the difference it makes. So lots of ways you can continue to give, um, and we would encourage you to do so. Check out our app or our website. We are in the bigger story at Hosanna. Generally, we're trying to resist the smaller stories that are out there and rise above those smaller stories. And then specifically, we are, we are going through the bigger story, the narrative, God's word, uh, the, the larger narrative of God's story, this bigger story from beginning to end, mega theme by mega theme. And over these three weeks, as we kick off the fall and kick off this ministry year, we are going to be looking at a theme that is just critical. It's, it's absolutely critical when it comes to the bigger story. In fact, leadership can make all the difference between people living smaller stories or people living the bigger story. The quality of leadership can make all the difference. I don't know about you, but I get a little disheartened by some of the examples of leadership out there these days. A little discouraged, even a little disgusted at times by the examples of divisive and dishonest and immoral and narcissistic 
leadership that's out there. There are a whole lot of examples, and if you think I'm picking on one particular person or one particular political party, I, you don't know me very well. I'm an equal opportunity offender when it comes to, to leadership. But there are also some great examples of leadership out there. There's some great examples of leadership in this congregation. I'm looking at some of them right now from, you know, principals. We have lots of principals we, we have, of schools. We have, we have um, business leaders. We have uh, political leaders on both sides of the aisle in this congregation. May that always be true. The people can come together around what matters most, Jesus. Right? We've, we've got first responders who you know, we're always thankful for, but on 9-11, we're really mindful of the leadership that they provide. There's a lot, of, there are a lot of great examples, and I wanna make sure that you hear that and you know that. And then there are examples of leaders who are not leading people well, who don't have people's best interests in mind. People, people, uh, leaders who are leading people astray, leading people to smaller stories, leading people into ditches, if you will. Reminds me of a story. A number of years ago, our friends uh, had a, a, a family of ducks Outside, some a mama duck laid her eggs. The baby ducks were born out, outside behind one of their bushes. And, uh, and then, of course, it came time for the mama duck to lead the baby ducks out into the world. We can all picture this, right? And so this was so sweet, so cute. And then the mama duck walked right over a drainage ditch grate. And then the baby ducks followed right behind. And one by one, the baby ducks went right into the drainage ditch. Friends called the city. They tried to pull up the grate. I wish I could tell you the story had a happier ending, but it doesn't. That's the end of the message. Thanks for coming. It's been great having you. It doesn't have a happy ending. They were led astray, not on purpose, Mama Duck, but they were led over a drainage ditch. Great. And there is a lot of leadership out there that is doing the very same thing, leading people into ditches, leading people into smaller stories. But we're Rosanna committed to following the best leader of all, Jesus, in a different way. I know when we, we have a series on leadership, sometimes people start to rule themselves out. They start to eliminate themselves. Oh, okay, this is a series on leadership, a message on leadership. Well, this really isn't for me, so I'm gonna tune out for the next three weeks. Don't. Every, this series is for everyone. In fact, repeat after me. Everyone, everyone. leads someone. It's true. Everyone leads someone. Parents, talk about leadership. Grandparents. Uh, there's mutual leadership opportunities. Marriage is a mutual leadership opportunity, and don't you forget that, guys. Right? We need to be led by our wife. This is mutual. Uh, friendships. We, 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 we lead up sometimes. We're going to talk about that later in the series. We have to lead our bosses and the people above us well. People in customer service, I'm always amazed that people are really good at customer service because what are they doing? They're leading their customers well. Whatever you do, wherever you are, you are called to lead. And if you are here at Hosanna, you're definitely called to lead. Every single one of you. We have, we have a BHAG, a big, holy, audacious goal <laughs> to raise up 2,500 disciple-making leaders by 2025. If, you, if you're at Hosanna, you are committed to that. What is a disciple-making leader? Someone who's committed to looking more like Jesus 
and multiplying the hope and heartbeat of Jesus by investing in people, by investing in a few people and helping those people take their next steps in faith. Where do you start? Good place to start here at Hosanna would be make sure you're volunteering, make sure you're in a community group. Those are the entry points, volunteering community groups, but there's so much more in how we want to develop you. If you're at Hosanna, you are a leader. If you're a Jesus follower, you're a leader. Jesus doesn't say, just keep following people. He says, no, I want you to go and lead and multiply, be a disciple-making leader. Throughout the bigger story, God is, is always raising up leaders throughout as we've gone through this journey. There are all kinds of leaders, oftentimes unlikely people. The most unlikely people are called to lead. People like Abraham and, and Moses and David and Gideon and Deborah and Mary Magdalene and, and, and on and on. And, and, and including a guy named Paul. We're gonna read one of Paul's letters. We're gonna read three of Paul's letters Paul was maybe the most unlikely person of all to become a leader, and yet he goes on to become arguably the most influential leader, leader of leaders. He's leading us today. Other than Jesus, the most influential leader in the Christian faith and the history of Christianity. And yet he was, at one point in his life, persecuting Christians, putting them in prison, trying to kill them, and he becomes this amazing leader. Paul wrote much of what we call the New Testament. It's in there. God inspired him to write it, including what are called the pastoral letters, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. Pastoral letters were Paul writing to pastors, specifically Timothy and Titus, encouraging them, equipping them, challenging them, correcting them on how to lead well. And at that time in the first century, there was a huge need for more leaders. The church, Christianity, was, was expanding, spreading like wildfire, and they needed more leaders to lead the church because people were just being drawn to this message and this person, Jesus. And leadership was all they had in the early church. They didn't have lots of resources. They didn't have political power or cultural influence. They just had leaders who had the most compelling message of all. And the same is true today. Really, you know, there's buildings and resources and all that stuff, but it's leaders, it's people like you who bring the message, who multiply the hope and heartbeat of Jesus. So in the second and third weeks of the series, we're gonna be looking at how to lead others well, and we're gonna be looking at how to lead in such a way that it outlives you. There's another word for this, legacy. But today we need to talk about the first piece, really the key, the cornerstone piece of becoming a leader who looks more and more like Jesus. We have to start here. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter four if you have a Bible with you. Words will be on the screen too. Paul again is writing to Timothy, and in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, he says this. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, <laughs> just hear that. Don't waste your time talking about all these things that really at the end of the day don't matter all that much. Conspiracy theories and social media controversies and blah, blah, blah. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Don't get caught up in all this other stuff. Train yourself to be godly. Or another way to say it is, just focus on this. Lead yourself. Before you get caught up in doing all these other things and leading other people, and it's important, it's good, but the most important thing is lead yourself. 
Later on in this passage in verse 16, he says, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Stay true for the sake of your own salvation. Now, there Paul isn't talking about being saved. Right? We don't need to work our salvation for our salvation. Jesus does the work for us. This is more like sanctification. We talked about that earlier in the bigger story. How do we live from salvation? When we've been saved, it's a free gift from Jesus Christ that we simply have to receive, but how do we live from that? How do we continue to grow? First focus on your own and then others. And then others. See, if we wanna be leaders who last, we have to lead ourselves first to lead ourselves first. It starts here. This is a well-used, well-worn illustration, but when you get on a plane and the flight attendants are giving their safety spiel, which we all listen to, right, very intently, they say if there was to be a sudden loss in cabin pressure, first, you know, put an oxygen mask on yourself and then assist others. We have too many leaders out there these days they are trying to assist others, but... They're gasping for breath themselves. They don't have the oxygen that they need to be able to, to, to be in a position to help other people. I was in a counseling session recently. Not me counseling somebody else, but me being counseled. Therapy is a regular part of my self-care, proactive self-care. And uh, I, this therapist was talking about, oh, this is you know, good understanding of the human experience. I thought, man, that'd be good for my kids. She said, hey, yeah, I realize that maybe that would be true, but you know the best thing you can do to help your kids? Do this yourself. Do this yourself. Leadership, like real leadership, leadership that lasts, leadership that lasts, that outlives us, leadership that, that lasts in other people's lives starts with leading ourselves well. And then what happens when leaders grow, when, when we, and we're all leaders, when leaders grow, then everyone and everything else gets better around us in whatever way you're called to lead. So we, I wanna spend the next stretch here ta talking about how to lead ourselves well. And Paul has a lot of, I mean, you should read the whole letter, 1 Tim Timothy. I'm just gonna pull out some highlights but, but we're gonna look at five self-leadership principles from 1 Timothy. Starting in, in chapter one, verse 19 says this. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some have deliberately violated their consciences as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. <laughs> deliberately violated their con consciousness. I don't know. People deliberately do that or do they forget the first part which is put your faith first and then it leads to violating our conscience which then leads to a shipwreck. Leaders who last put their faith first. They put something greater than them first. They, they look to someone greater than themselves first. They draw from a source that's greater than what they have first. See, if we're not centered, anchored, grounded in something bigger than ourselves, if you're not grounded in something bigger than you, then it will eventually become all about you. Or it'll be more than you can handle. 
because we need to lead well. There are lots of challenges in leadership, <laughs> whatever leadership assignment you've been given. It takes strength, patience, endurance, wisdom from a source greater than ourselves. The other reason it's important to put faith first is, is that what happens in leadership sometimes is, is we start to, to find our identity in leadership or success or recognition or achievements. And, and we start to base our identity on that, which isn't our true identity. Our true identity is found in Jesus Christ as a child of God. We start to put our identity in the things that we're doing, we will eventually become undone. Our identity has to be found in Jesus Christ and so our faith comes first. I'm, I'm leaving for Israel with a group from Hosanna here in about five days and I, I have a sense that part of what God wants to do in my heart and life there is bring me back to this place, the center of the center, my first love, like that is where everything that I do, all of leadership, marriage, parenting, everything in life needs to come from this life-giving, infinite resource that comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Leaders who last, put faith first. Secondly, leaders who last, pray for people. It says this in chapter two, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Give thanks for them. Pray for people. Leaders who last, who lead more like Jesus, pray for people. Jesus was always praying for his followers. In fact, he's praying for us right now, interceding on our behalf. That's what Jesus is doing. Do you pray for the people you lead? Do you, do you pray, whoever that is, mutual leadership, leading up. In fact, Paul goes on to say, pray for those who are leading you too because they need it. Never been more true than after the last two to three years. It's been a crazy time for everybody, but for leaders, like one no-win decision after another. <laughs> Crisis to be managed after another. And I would say as you pray for people, people you're leading, people who are leading you, assume there's more going on in their lives right now. I've just had too many conversations with people where it's clear that there's a bit of a you know, reckoning or coming to bear, coming to the surface of all that's happened over the last couple of years. And now that we can kind of raise our heads a little bit, it's like, oh yeah, that impacted me. Assume there's more going on. If someone's acting grouchy or grumpy, it's probably because there's something more going on. Assume that, pray for them. Pray for the people that, that you lead. Care for the people you lead. Do you know the names of the family members of the people that you lead? I had an early member, a mentor tell me that. He said, if you don't know the names of, you, of the people you lead, lead kids, you're not really caring about them. We pray for the people that we, that we lead. And when we do, it changes them and it changes our hearts too for them because sometimes there are some challenging leadership situations <laughs> to pray for those, pray for those people. I do this, but I can do this even more, to be honest. Pray for our leadership team, our staff. I pray for all of you. The other night, Jen and I were praying before bed, and we just felt led to pray over every household in our church. We were up all night, thousands of, okay, not everyone by name, but we were praying over you. Pray for those that, that you lead. Third, if we're gonna lead ourselves well, Chapter three, verse two says this. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. Some churches get hung up on, you know, stopping in the middle of that sentence. That an elder must be a man. 
There, there are all kinds of interpretive decisions to make throughout scripture because there are cultural things, there are you know, things that aren't quite as clear, and so some churches interpret all elders must be men or leaders in the church. We don't, we, we read that man as human, <laughs> must be human. So women, we believe women are called to lead, even gifts of leadership here. You know, lots of interpretive decisions. I mean, there's another part in this book that t- where Paul talks about slavery like it should still be happening. Well, we don't still believe that, right? So we're not getting hung up on, and we believe, it must be a person whose life is above reproach what does it mean to be above reproach? It means not to be below repro- reproach. More than that, it, it, the Greek there means to not be caught doing something that's immoral or off track. And to not just be like, I hope I don't get caught, but to not do it in the first place so that you won't even have the opportunity to be caught. Paul talks about lives being shipwrecked. Well, this is a big part of the reason why. Leaders start to believe the the press about them. They start to get caught up in the pride. There's something about power that causes people to think they're above it all. You see it happen all the time. Well, it doesn't apply to me. It's a leader. Who said? If our character can't hold the success or the charisma our character will buckle every time. There are far too many examples out there inside and outside of the church where lives have been shipwrecked because the character wasn't strong enough to support the charisma or the success. Force me to choose between character and charisma, I'll choose character every single time. You'd love to have both. I'll choose character every single time. Paul says later on, run, run from evil things. Don't even get close, don't hang around because if you hang around too long, you might actually end up falling into temptation and actually doing something that you'll regret. Now I know some of you are thinking, I've already done something that I regret. I already feel like my character, my integrity is lost. Don't believe that lie. With God, nothing's ever fully lost, including integrity. Yeah, there are consequences. Yes, there's repair that needs to be done. Yes, there's growth that needs to happen. But today, if you're hearing the lie, my integrity is shot. And that's why people continue to make immoral decisions because they believe that lie. I've already made one bad decision. What's another one? doesn't matter. I'm already in it pretty deep. It's a lie. Today, in Jesus Christ, you can, your, your conscience, your integrity can be completely restored. Fully restored. That's why faith keeps a clean conscience because we bring it before Jesus and because of the work that he's done, he says, you are forgiven. You can start new. It's fresh. That's the gospel. Maybe today you need to receive the truth, which is your integrity before God and Jesus Christ can be fully restored in him. And then we walk it out from there. A couple of reasons why people fall into temptation Last two here, I'll go pretty quick. But 5.22, Paul says this, don't, don't be in a hurry. Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Now he's talking about appointing people too fast in leadership, but I would also say, let's not be in, in a hurry. Leadership grows over time. When I was a younger leader, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get into this leadership role. And then you get into the leadership role and you go, oh, <laughs> there's a lot more to this than I realized. There's a lot more 
responsibility here or weight or stress or whatever. This takes time. People are given you know, gifts for leadership, but a lot of it has to be developed and cooked over time. I used to wonder, how do, how do people, usually older leaders, get so wise? Now that I'm in my middle ages, you know, I don't wonder that as, as much anymore because I know how. Through the, the tests and the struggles and the fire and the pain, that's where wisdom comes from and time. There's some things that just shouldn't be microwaved. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, I'm willing to try to microwave anything just to get the food faster, right? But you shouldn't microwave certain things like pizza and fries and waffles <laughs> or leadership development. You shouldn't microwave that because you need the character that develops over time, how God shapes us over time. Lastly then, and most importantly, I mean this, the key of the keys is to stay very humble. Stay very, very humble. I'm not gonna read a specific verse because it's all over this letter that Paul writes to Timothy. At the end, he talks about how greed and power can start to cause people to get prideful. Money. In the first chapter, he, he says, and this is Paul who arguably has the most influence other than Jesus in the history on Christianity, in the history of Christianity, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the least of the apostles. What's he doing there? Is that true? Or is that a mentality he wants to maintain because he knows that the moment he starts thinking more about himself than he should is the beginning of the end? Or as it says in Proverbs, pride comes before a fall. And we've gotta have a humble view of ourselves. I mean, we know Jesus was all about this. He said, you wanna be great? Matthew 26, you wanna be great? Here's what it looks like, become a servant. And then he literally shows us what it looks like. He gets down in the upper room and he washes his disciples' feet. He says, this is what leadership looks like. See, for Jesus, servanthood and leadership are not side-by-side concepts. They are synonymous. They're one and the same. What it means to lead is, what is, is to serve. We have a great example of a leader, I think, in many ways. We don't know everything about people's lives, but she publicly was quite a leader, Queen Elizabeth. She reigned for 70 years. And she once said this, I hope that like me, you're comforted by the example of Jesus who often in circumstances of great adversity managed to live an outgoing, unselfish, sacrificial sacrificial life. He makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than in being served. That's leadership. And now Jesus says to each and every one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, it means you're called to lead Go and do likewise. How do we do it? Three questions I want to leave before you, leave with you before I end. When it comes to leading ourselves, the first one is what's your vision? What does it look like for you to lead in the way that God's called you to lead? We hosted a leadership summit here, a national leadership summit in August, and one of the speakers challenged us to write our own obituaries. What do you want people to say about you and your leadership? Whatever that looks like. When it's all said and done. I practice um, something called intentional living taught to me by one of my mentors and and I've got vision for six areas of my life, personal development, family, vision, preaching, culture of this church, DNA of this church, and, and and then leading leaders. 
And the one I have for preaching says this, we are a team of growing communicators who value clarity and fruitfulness over celebrity and impressiveness. We are aligned, diverse, compelling, scripture-based, gospel-framed, spirit-led, and Jesus-centered. That's my vision for our preaching team. I hope you see it. We're not perfect yet, but we're, we have a vision. And, and Paul writes here, guard what's been entrusted to you. What's the plot of ground? What's the slice of the pie that God's called you to lead? And part of it is having a vision. Second question is, what's your plan? How will you get there? Because a vision without a plan is just a daydream. It's a fantasy. What's your plan? Again, part of this intentional living process, once a month I sit down, I look at, okay, I have some goals in these areas. How am I doing, God? How, how do I continue to move forward? But we, we have to have a plan because you can live accidentally or intentionally. Either way, you're gonna end up somewhere. What's your plan for leading? And then the last question is, what's your plan to accomplish your plan? The first question, your vision's about what. The second question's about how, the plan. But this is really about who. Because if we're going to really move forward in the vision and lead ourselves and lead others, well, and we're all called to lead, everyone, then we have to have people in our lives who are walking alongside of us, encouraging us. Who's your mentor? Mentors, I've had many mentors. I'm a product in many ways of all the mentors that I've been blessed with in my life, including the founding pastor of this church, and I could name 25 other people. But we need mentors. People have just been doing a little bit longer. Oftentimes they're older than us, not always. Sometimes they just do it better than us. But how do we learn from them? And then how do we walk alongside other people? Community, people to encourage us, people to hold us accountable, people to challenge us. That's why it's so important that if you consider designing your church home, we want you in a community group. That's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Because we need that support. If we're gonna grow in our faith and in our leadership, we can't do it alone. And the most important person that we need if we're gonna lead ourselves well and lead well ultimately is Jesus. Jesus has gotta be in the mix. He's gotta be in the center. And not just as an example for how to lead well, showing us what it looks like to lead well, we need to understand how he leads us. That he isn't that arrogant, self-seeking leader. He is humble and selfless and sacrificial. He's not gonna lead you over a drainage ditch gate. He's gonna lay down his life. He's gonna put his body over that ditch so you can walk over. He's just willing to go into the ditch to give his life for you. Until we know how we've been led by Jesus out of his great love for you and begin to follow him. See, great leaders, when we're talking about great leadership in the Christian sense, which I have a huge bias toward, <laughs> is all about following Jesus. Great leaders for Jesus are first great followers, following him, receiving what he has for you. So as we kick off the fall, we kick off this series, we kick off this ministry year, which I have great anticipation for, I just wanna pray that we would say yes, those of us who are feeling led, to following Jesus. Jesus, thank you for leading so well. Thank you for showing us what real leadership looks like. There are so many examples out there that are the opposite 
And yet, you show us the real way, the ultimate way, the true way to lead. Not only do you show us, you lead us that way. You lay down your life, you restore our lives, you restore our integrity, you, re you give us vision, you show us how, you put people in our lives. So Jesus, we just have to start this journey by following, saying yes to following you once again or maybe for the first time. Jesus, you are the greatest leader. And we wanna follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen.